0: on this episode of the press rewind prince lyrics podcast we'll be talking about the purple rain era vault track katrina's paper dolls and joining me on this episode is first time guest india welcome to the show india
1: hello jason it's so wonderful to be here
0: awesome i mean i think it's uh really cool because first time guests i'm always happy to have new guests on the show Mm -hmm. it's something i really value getting new perspectives new ideas on songs and being that it is your first time on the show i always ask first time guests if they can give themselves give the listeners a little bit of a background on you Mm -hmm. uh, who you are as much as you want to share and then also equally important if not more importantly how did you start listening to prince what was your entry point to becoming a prince fam and what is kind of like your connection to him and his music if you don't mind sharing
1: oh of course okay so to start a little bit of background on myself my name is india um, on Twitter, I go by Miss India M. That's probably where a lot of you know me from. Uh, I've been a prince. Per, I like to call myself a purple person <laughs> since um, <laughs> about 2013 officially. Um, but just a little background on myself. I am a multimedia storyteller. I'm a student at Bowie State University getting ready to graduate. Um, I'm a researcher. I have my own blog called M, um, I am funk music blog. I'm a writer over there. Um, and I also have a podcast, another podcast uh, with my co-host uh, Glennis, And we are record scratch and we actually talk about music too. So um, that's a little background on myself. Um, as far as my entry into Prince, uh, yeah, I was it's 2013, 2013 or so. Um, Artificial age was my entry point. Now I had heard about Prince, like, you know, I live in the DMV area. So he was played like all the time from I want to be your lover, soft and wet from the 70s on to the 80s to the 90s. um, Prince was always being played. But uh, before I had even moved to the DMV area um, when I was a child, um, I had seen him on I think it was I want to say it was BET when they used to play music videos. And they had music video segments on TV. And I remember seeing the call my name video like I was probably shoot, I was I was young, very young. Um, and I remember seeing it. And then I remember seeing the Super Bowl and being enamored by his presence and his just being able to like perform in the rain was just mind blowing to me. And I was like, how are you doing this? This is incredible as a kid. And, you know, he just had this aura about him that I, I couldn't shake. And I kind of left him alone, you know. You kind of you, you see all these influential people as you grow up in life. I was very much a Michael Jackson um, fan at that point too. You know, I grew up on Michael Jackson, courteous, You know, my father, and you know, all of the amazing music I, um, I accumulated over my experience as a child was through my dad. And so um, once I got into curating my own experience, my own listening experience, and making those decisions for myself. Uh, Prince was kind of like the one of the first people I got into. And um, I come from like a hip hop background. I come from an R&B background. So that was kind of like my arena and knowing um, I was born in the tri-state area. So a lot of that hip hop influence was kind of in my life. And um, so it was kind of Prince was like a little bit of a departure um, because he did everything. And so um, I got into him when artificial age came out. And I remember I was listening to you i don't know if you still if they still uh, do music choice i think they do but it's under another name now um but music choice used to have these r&b like these different channels these different outlets where you can listen to music continuously um with no commercials no nothing and you just have it playing on tv my grandparents used to play it on tv like all the time when i would go to their house and so artificial age like i think you know came on and i was Mm -hmm. like just in love with you know, <laughs> and um, and artificial <laughs> age, and I loved Afrofuturism, like that was kind of like my thing. I always loved like the Eric Badus, the you know, George Clinton parliament, like all of that. I, I was just in love with the imagery that they painted, and so, um, you know, artificial age was my entry point and um, my official entry point, rather, and that's kind of where it went off from there. So, I got to experience Prince on Twitter, I, I joined Twitter because of Prince. And, um, I got into that and, you know, he had Prince Graham, all of that stuff. And so I was just starting to get through his discography when he passed. Um, so I think I got up to 1999 and then he passed and, yeah. uh, so I had to just continue and you know, what? It, it did nothing. Of course we were all mourning, but it did nothing but fuel me to research it more as a subject. And so as the years have gone by, I've taken on several independent like research study subjects and in, informed terms of artists like Tupac and so on and so forth. But um, Prince was like my first person that I studied like thoroughly and gratefully you know I was in the area of all where all these books were coming out and all this information and Prince Vault was a thing and you know there's so many resources at my fingertips and the community uh, the purple community really started opening up during this time and you know I always watched the community from a distance and um so I was able to actually like really get involved by this point and that's kind of where my entry point of Prince was, was it's pretty long story, but you know,
2: (laughs) it's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Those little stages. It starts when you, you really start seeing an artist and it, they become repetitive in your everyday life and your everyday listening experience slash viewing experience. And that's how it was kind of like a growing love, I suppose. And, yeah that's kind of where I started and you know I love Prince to this day and that's you know that's my guy as people call him it's my guy so
0: (laughs) yeah that's awesome so like about 10 years give or take then and with so much music in his catalog did that was that ever intimidating to you to have so I mean was it exciting or intimidating a little bit of both to have so much music to have to or to want to cover and listen to and and pour over in order to like really understand your guy.
1: You know what? It 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 was. I guess because he all of his albums were not entirely accessible on the internet. I loved the idea that I had to dive and dig for them. I had to, I'm really into having physical copies of things. So <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> the journey, right. You know, the journey It just, I grew up like that, like having CDs, you know, and then when I got into vinyl, it was like, Oh, I need to have everything. And I love seeing like album art just blown up on this 12 by 12 or, you know, CD compact disc size, whether it's that, or whether it's 12 by 12 vinyl size. And so with Prince going through his discography, I loved how I was able to go through it slowly. And, you know, I remember watching Purple Rain and crying and just feeling those emotions and, you know, being able to just track my journey by buying a piece of physical medium and um, a physical like, you know, CD or vinyl. And so Mm -hmm. the the length of his discography didn't bother me because I was able to intake it one by one. But once I, once he passed, I, kind of felt that initial like, man, I wish I could have got through all of this sooner, you know, um, and I had heard certain songs, but not like the entire uh, album and it's, you know, or the album in its entirety. And so it would be like something from Emancipation. Like I'd heard that, but I hadn't heard, you know, the entire album, the entire three-hour listening experience.
0: So <laughs> right, that's my,
1: Yeah, <laughs> three hours. It's,
0: it's a challenging, it's a challenging listen, Emancipation. There's so much music.
1: Yeah, so much. And you're like, it's kind of like sensory overload in a way. So you're like, oh my gosh. So when I got to Emancipation, I was overwhelmed. And we started getting to like multiple discs. And like, some of the times I was okay with, because it's like two sides, but, uh, or two discs, it was okay. But once you started getting to the three discs, I have not I hadn't like, had any listening experience besides, I think, I think, no, no, Tupac is All, all Eyes On Me was like two disc. So anything mm-hmm. past two disc, I was like, oh my gosh. Outside of like greatest hits sets, like Stevie Wonders, I think, I think Music Clarium is like, is that more than, Um, that might be more than like, but anyway, they're, they're like greatest hits, right? Or the sax right. vault, you know. Uh,
0: yeah, like box thing. sets and stuff. Yeah, like exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah so um but his discography was like okay well um <laughs> at first i was looking at his discography i was just amazed by it and so i wasn't necessarily intimidated but i was like okay well i'm gonna have to sanction section this out um how am i gonna get to this and i just abandoned all of that you know i tried to organize and figure out and i was like let's just go as i feel let it be an organic process that's the best way to consume music is when you feel like you're ready to move on from the next era, you do so by your own terms. And so when mm-hmm. I felt like I was done with um, Purple Rain, I moved on or whatever. And um, I, I think I said before that I had got up to 1999 as far as listening to his whole, I think I was actually up to, uh, uh, when he passed, I was up to, I think, want to say sign of the times i think that i misspoke on that actually yeah it was actually up to side of the times that was the last album i had listened to prior to that yeah i'm sorry i get confused sometimes because it was a lot you know, of that's fine music, but <laughs> yeah i was yeah, actually yeah. up to i was up to side of the times by that point so yeah um it was the i think the last the last album experience, yeah, it was Side of the Times, and I was moving on to Parade. And again, I had heard Kiss, like my favorite, my grandma's favorite Prince song was Kiss, so I had already heard those things, and then I started just working my way down. And then once I got into the 90s, I was just really, uh, that's kind of like one of my favorite eras. one of my favorite pockets is because he did so much experimentation. And so once I got into that, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm sold, I'm sold completely. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. And r- if
0: you're a fan of hip-hop and r&b the 90s is really a key yeah. era as well um if you like you know 90s hip-hop and r and i mean the, it has a very distinct sound it's very yes. of the time but if you enjoy <laughs> that prince made a lot of music especially in the early half of that decade that fits right in with what was happening in on the radio and mtv and other other um, venues bet a lot yeah. of those songs could fit in just with a lot of different uh formats radio formats and television formats it was pretty wide-ranging
1: right yep so old
0: contemporary r&b pop hip-hop yes. i mean it was all there in those early 90s albums
1: right exactly and you know i had most of the stuff i had grown up hearing was his 80s 70s and 80s catalog so it was very much funk and um you know, uh, very, I mean, this '80s sounds has like a different definitive sense synthesizer sound. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course the Lynn drum machine was what he was really primarily using during like the first half of the 80s. So I was very much into the 80s culture and I was listening to ready to the world, ready for the world, excuse me, during this time. And, you know, that their influence. So I was actually listening to all of his influences before I listened to, I mean, not his, well, all of his influence and people that were influenced by him.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, And
1: not knowing, like, oh, they're connected. So once I got into it, I was like, oh, my gosh, what? You know, Melvin Riley and Prince Cross paths. they were like, you know, they're all the way in Detroit and he's like, not knowing, like, that's a small world, you know, and understanding like the, the proximity or how Sheila E even played a role in Prince's band and so on and so forth. So this was before I even got into that, but You know, once I started finding those little fine connections, I was like, wait, this sounds like a Prince song. Is it? And then when I would search it, up, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it is. What do you mean? The Glamorous Life? What? You know, so a Love Bazaar, like these things I grew up listening to. I just had no idea. Manic Monday, like stuff like that. I was like, oh, my gosh, I was just mind blown. So once I started, I kind of simultaneously started getting into his protégés while I was getting into him, too. So it was really cool.
0: Uh, I think "Oh Sheila" by "Ready for the World" is maybe the greatest song Prince never wrote. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody mistakes that song as being a Prince song because it yes. really, really aped, copied, uh, took influence from the music he was making from yes. you know the 1999 era and Purple Rain era, mm-hmm. and create this Minneapolis sound that had nothing to do with Prince. When usually the Minneapolis sound there was some sort of Prince connection there somewhere. Yeah. Whether it was, he wrote it and recorded it or it was a member of the time, you know, like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis doing their exactly. thing with Janet Jackson. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, Alexander O'Neill.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: yeah, ready for the world. I, I distinctly remember cause I'm significantly older than you <laughs> hearing Oh on the radio. And I was pretty young. I was like 10 at the time and just thinking, wow. So Prince has got a new song, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And like, nope, it's not Prince.
1: We're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: But yeah, so talking a little bit about Katrina's Paper Dolls, which, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned in the introduction, was off of the Purple Rain Deluxe Edition that was released in 2017. Did you listen to that when it was released or did you have to come on this later as well?
1: I did. And, you know, it was crazy. That was my first, like, posthumous rollout. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I remember when they dropped, I think was it, I can't remember if it was Electric Intercourse or Rose uh, or uh, Our Destiny. I think was it Our Destiny that was the first? It was either one of those two that were the first. And I remember that role. And it kind of like years ago. So my mind is kind of a little of um, a little of
0: um, yeah, I'm not oh, sure yeah. which one it was either. I remember yeah. both being kind of put out there, but yeah.
1: Yeah, they were like around the same time. And so when that when those singles I remember it just being like almost immediately after his passing, because it was like June, May, June. It was like we already have something um of twenty seventeen. So we have something already coming out. We're like what almost a year out from his passing, and I was I was really blown at the, the speed of the estate, but I also had heard that he was already working on the remasters during that time, or um, he had already kind of oversaw that at Paisley park. So I wasn't thinking we were going to get any new material. And then flash flash forward when I heard Katrina, uh, Katrina's papers dolls, like when in, 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 like, I think it was June when it was released. So around the time of release of purple rain, Mm -hmm. I was just, I was blown away by the amount of vault material he had related to Purple Rain. I kind of thought Purple Rain was like, okay, you made the soundtrack for this particular movie. And it was kind of capped at that. I didn't realize it was going beyond you know his other works i knew he had a lot of vault material for that but at this point i really wasn't introduced to as much as his uh his unreleased projects so i was kind of just going by what was released and i had heard a few like you know vaulted material but i hadn't heard any from the purple rain area era as much and yeah so, that's the
0: kind of interesting yeah. thing about katrina's paper dolls is that it was recorded apparently according to prince vault because i used prince vault i'm sure as you do as kind of yeah. like the the prince bible to to help me understand time frames and uh, eras and who was part of the recording but this one was apparently recorded in march of 83 so this would have been about the time prince was working on music for purple rain yeah as we know we had a lot of music done by by summer of 83 when you know they performed prince and the revolution performed at first ave in august of that year to premiere a few different songs from that would be on the forthcoming soundtrack, okay. but it's not believed that Katrina's paper Dolls was ever really considered for the soundtrack, but there's no proof to that. It's just kind of like a feeling or mm-hmm. maybe like people's, their in they, they know, their gut um, instinct about the song. Um, okay. And largely I think because it appears to be coming from, or likely is coming from the perspective of a woman.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: where it is believed of course again that he was working on it either for what would have at the time and you know spring of 83 would have still been vanity six's second album because uh-huh. uh, he and vanity had not broken up and she had not you know kind of left the prince sphere yet right. so it would have still been at that point a vanity six album but then when vanity and prince broke up and vanity left the project for the filming of purple rain then of course that would have morphed into the apollonia 6 album if it would have ended up anywhere but it ended up being uh just put back in the vault as so many prince songs end up going it just mm-hmm. wasn't right didn't fit whatever whatever and then I, apparently there's a potentially unreleased version from 86
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
0: kind of fascinating that he would have and and I'll I'll mention why as we go through the song and what you know we think the lyrics are talking about and who the potential subject of the song is but it's kind of fascinating to me that he would reach back into the vault to ask Wendy and Lisa to help him you know re-record or reimagine the song considering that um It was from a very specific era and probably about a very specific person in his life that was no longer in his life and i'm referring to vanity of course but Mm -hmm. yeah so it's just kind of one of those interesting like it's part of the era i suppose because it was written and recorded likely in 83 or at least it was recorded in 83
1: and it's interesting that uh you say that sonically it has a purple rain type of feel to it of course but you know, there's the idea that it wasn't intended for Purple Rain, but I don't know. I feel like it. I always say that it has the feeling of Purple Rain, like a, a the kids' basement. You know, it's kind of has that same haunting aura, but you know, there's this childlike energy that radiates from it. You know, sonically in his instrumentation choice, but and then also I think with the the idea of it being from a, or the concept of it being from the female perspective, I don't know, Purple Rain, I mean, uh, not Purple Rain, uh, 1999 had a lot to do with Prince giving women more power. So I don't know, it just seemed like it was relative to the time and it seemed like it was related in some aspects, but I don't know, it pretty much could be something that was an outtake. But I don't know. I, I see. I see both sides of it. I guess that's what I'm trying. Yeah. to
0: Yeah. But anyway, so this song, yeah, I guess because there were songs that were thought of for Purple Rain, like Wednesday,
2: mm-hmm. for
0: example, that was going to be sung by Jill Jones. So, and of course, we had songs by Apollonia 6 in the soundtrack, or you know, in the movie Sex Shooter, for example, mm-hmm. where the concept of it being like a true soundtrack with. Recordings from multiple artists, you know, Prince in the Revolution, The Time, Apollonia 6, Jill Jones. The idea of there being a song sung from the perspective and by oh, from the perspective of and by a woman mm-hmm. featured in the film *Purple Rain* would not have been unusual. It wouldn't have been unheard of or unexpected. It just didn't end up that way, you know the Purple Rain soundtrack ended up only being the Prince and the Revolution songs. Mm-hmm. Songs like "When Wednesday by Jill Jones got scrapped. So it wasn't even in the film anymore. And at this point, you know, in March of 83, he's, he's got a few things in his head, I think. He's got, you know, the next Vanity 6 album, mm-hmm. which he's probably hoping to tie into this, this uh, movie that he's going to be making soon. The songs that, of course, have to be made for the film and have a concept in mind you know the concept kind of has to be already there in Uh some ways before you start recording the songs or else you're just writing songs and then hoping that a film can fit around them as opposed to structuring songs and writing songs that fit a narrative Uh a film narrative so this song Katrina's Paper Dolls I think it's worth going through the lyrics at this point so we can start talking specifically about what we think the song is trying to the story is trying to tell
2: mm-hmm. and maybe
0: maybe not and how it fits in with the film it, it doesn't have to we don't have to shoehorn the purple rain movie into the discussion of this song mm-hmm. but because it was slapped on the purple rain deluxe edition you kind of almost feel like you have to a little bit like it's um, mm-hmm. part of the discussion point mm-hmm. so the first line of the song is, is spoken in French, I believe, uh, and it translates to it sucks according to <laughs> Moonbeam <laughs> Levels for You. The That's the lyric sheet, the lyric website that I use. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other lyrics, uh, lyric sites for the song don't even include that opening French line that Prince speaks. Right. So I don't have any alternate um, or opposing theories about what this song is or what this line is or any translations, alternate translations of this line. So that's all I really have to go by since I'm not a French speaker. I have to believe what it says.
1: <laughs> I am. Like I, I took French in high school. I, I went to the honors level, but I do think that this is pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> it, it pretty much translates. I know this, the first half is definitely it, but I'm not familiar with the, uh, yeah I, i'm pretty sure it
0: is yeah, yeah i mean it would be yeah. a slang word if, if, yeah. if it truly was sucks. right and of course not every word in alternate languages has a direct um translative word that you can apply to it in english it's kind of like exactly. well this is generally what it's saying mm-hmm. if we were to say it in english this is what we would probably be saying to match that feeling but right um just thought it'd, it'd be interesting to bring that up because a lot of people probably skip or you know just kind of gloss over that opening line because it is spoken in in french and
1: in repetitive fashion too (laughs) so
0: it's kind of an
1: opening statement
0: (laughs) yeah yeah for sure just kind of one of those interesting things i mean prince would dabble in the french language a bit during the parade era and under Mm -hmm. the cherry moon of course but um not really something he was doing a whole lot of in you know the early 80s right at least not that i can remember Katrina
2: makes paper dolls one doll for every day one doll for every day her old man's been gone Katrina makes paper dolls for every time it told her for every time it told her that the love was too strong
0: but then we get the uh the first verse Katrina makes paper dolls one doll for every day, her old man's been gone. Katrina makes paper dolls for every time he told her. And he repeats that for every time he told her that their love was too strong. Mm-hmm. So <sighs> this opening verse, I guess, for me, that kind of opens. It's, it's like a story song in some ways. It's a little bit like a story song. Prince is speaking from the perspective of somebody else because it's prince singing but of course if this was going to be given to to, to vanity to sing or susan moonsey to sing or brenda probably would have been vanity um the then it comes from a more of a first person perspective but since we got the prince version it sounds more like a story song he's talking about this woman named Katrina who's um you know the main character of the song and she's at home making paper dolls representing the days that her man's been gone what we don't get from this opening verse is where he's gone to so it's kind of up in the air it's up to the interpretation where has he gone you know is he at war is he in prison is he on tour you know if it's (laughs) talking about somebody who's dating somebody who's a musician and a touring musician well Mm -hmm. you know that that person's gone a lot you know and just kind of thinking where is this person where is this man of hers gone Right and the title Katrina Paper Dolls we haven't touched on it yet but mm-hmm. uh, Katrina was Vanity's middle name right. so that is where all of the connections are really brought into the you know the light is in terms of where we think Prince's head was at when he was writing this song and who it was potentially intended for it's it seems it's like on the surface it's very, it seems like it would be obvious to be about and sung by vanity for that reason if no other
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh so in this first verse india what um what are you getting out of this opening verse of the song
1: i mean i, th- I think as a filmmaker um i always like like you said there's this this vignette of this woman making paper dolls and you kind of already get this damsel in distress or uh, kind of like a a vintage movie, like a nineteen fifties nineteen sixties movie vibe of the song. I mean, at least that's what I I already kind of see visually. And, and then once we get into one doll for every day, um, one doll for every day her old man's been gone, or so. And um, it just seems as though it's kind of like she's making these paper dolls to cope with the. Uh, the feeling of loneliness, and um, you get that right away. So the repetitive action of making things to cope with, you know, the uh, these these horrible emotions that Katrina is probably feeling. And then once you said I was automatically thought about vanity when when Katrina came into the picture, right? Because her middle name, um, you know, Denise's middle name was Katrina, and so I automatically thought about. Prince's relationship with vanity and how much there was so much, you know, couldn't, you know, it was really good when it was really good and then it was bad when it was bad. And then, so their, their, uh their, their journey, I guess as a couple in the industry. And I automatically, like when you said, I thought about being on tour. And so this opening sequence just tells me, or this opening verse tells me a lot that, you know, it kind of just, I automatically copied and pasted to fit vanity and prints, if you know what I mean. So Mm -hmm. I had already had that context. So when I was initially reading over the lyrics, I was kind of just like, huh, this fits, you know, their story. I was kind of piecing it together. And so in the lyrics, you just kind of see that there's this hole that Katrina is trying to fill automatically and that she's missing her lover. I mean, that's pretty clear. So that's what I gathered from the first um, the first verse, but pretty much I echo everything that you're saying. I didn't have that much to add other than that it felt as though it was like a, a an opening sequence to a, a 1950s slash 1960s film.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that uh, because I also kind of, get that vibe from it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, you know, I, there's nothing in the lyrics that is so evocative of a fifties or sixties film. I think Mm -hmm. it's just the imagery that we apply to it because Mm -hmm. it it kind of speaks to more of a, an older style of film, an older style of narrative about, you know, it's, it's very old fashioned sounding like the woman's at home
2: Mm -hmm. waiting for
0: a man. Like that is not a typical modern day, plot right The woman just hanging out at home waiting for her man to come home from wherever he is
2: mm-hmm. that
0: that's that's more it just gives us more of a feeling of the way things used to be when the woman stayed home didn't work out of the home so you they're at home more often than not exactly. waiting for their husband to come home from work or wherever he's at and so that might be why you and I both kind of think of it in more of a a classical movie or even television show uh-huh. context versus a modern one because it just kind of gives us an old-fashioned um feeling about the you know where the the characters are and what they're doing
1: right and historically i mean like women were out in the workforce at this point it was like commanding ceo positions right and so it just seems so like interesting and vintage at the same time like this this mindset of her in the the ancient art of making paper dolls you know that wasn't so common at that time i don't know no
0: no paper dolls was not in uh, as a child in the early 80s i can i can confirm uh, paper dolls were not that popular still because again that is something that you do when you don't have money or the means to actually own real plastic dolls or, or fabric dolls uh-huh. you make paper dolls and then you can draw and create different characters and and things of that nature but yeah i don't remember a lot of my um classmates making paper dolls when we were kids so <laughs> it's, again that's an also very kind of old-fashioned uh, way of of creating toys or playthings.
2: Mm-hmm. um
0: the other thing I did want to mention because I agree with you there is once you know, the context and you know, you know, Denise's middle name was Katrina mm-hmm. and you kind of understand the time frame the song was written and the fact that they were still dating. It is, it is very difficult to separate that when you're yes. thinking of the song.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so those who did not know that it, 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 I don't think it changes really a whole lot. We just apply Prince and, and vanity into these characters As opposed to just any random woman. And any random man. so. But the thing I thought was interesting. Is even if we think it's the two of them. You know and Prince is writing a song. About their relationship at the time. This song in March of 83. Was like still in the middle of the. The 1999 tour. Right. And that was the triple threat tour. So Vanity 6. The time and Prince. Were all on tour together. Right. So they would have in theory been together throughout that tour where there wouldn't have been the situation where she would have been at home while Mm -hmm. prince was off tour they would have been together during the triple threat tour every night so (laughs) it's interesting because that isn't actually what was going on in march of 83 they were together all the time
1: (laughs) right that just it seems or maybe or she felt as though you know prince was recording on a daily basis but even at the points where she wasn't in the studio with prince maybe he was alluding to the fact of feeling loneliness even while they were on tour like that yeah, could good have a good point that could have been an issue um,
0: yeah you could is, feel lonely even if you're with your partner some,
1: right? exactly so
0: if, if your partner's not providing you know the kind of support or attention to you because they're preoccupied Uh, creating creating the next big thing uh Mm -hmm. the thing that was going to catapult him to you know world superstardom but so yeah no very valid point Mm -hmm. just because they're together doesn't mean they're you know emotionally
2: connected at that
0: moment Mm -hmm. um the the only other visual i got and it's not the main visual but when somebody's doing like creating something or marking something to try to establish and and give themselves a sense of time passing like she's making a doll for every day so then when you know she has a pile of dolls she knows it's been a very long time Uh it kind of also gives me a visual of uh somebody like in solitary confinement you know and you
2: have
0: those movies when they're they're marking the wall to represent the number of days they've been in there because every day is exactly the same Mm-hmm. And they're going to lose track of it and lose track of their sanity if they don't keep track of how many days it's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit like that and as this and as the song goes on we kind of understand and maybe give get a sense for Katrina's mental state as well but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves <laughs>
2: There's no way to tell who's real and who's not Baby it's so much harder when your body's hot she says that love is just a game of solving seems in many circles. Maybe that's what makes the
0: world go round. Um, okay, so then moving on to the chorus. There's no way to tell her who's real and who's not. Mm-hmm. And baby, it's so much harder when your body's hot. She says that love is just a game or so it seems in many circles. Maybe that's what makes her world go round. Hmm. Okay, so the chorus, I think, is pretty interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's the, the language he uses here and and how he moves from kind of concept or line to line within the chorus. It touches on a few different things here. So um, India, if you don't mind starting, mm-hmm. what, what do you think is intriguing or interesting about the chorus? What do you get out of it?
1: I think it's so interesting for him to say like, baby, it's so much harder when your your body's hot. And um, it's honestly the idea of, you know, beautiful women and the struggle that they go through to find sincerity and love is interesting for Prince to explore. Like I I haven't, um, of course, later in the years, he gets into it, but it, it almost seems as though he's able to tap in so much into the, the woman's mind. And I know um, uh, Michael Dean had mentioned this in um, once we had our, our Prince face before how much Prince wrote for us and for women. And it seems as though he just had such a good grip on, I don't know if this is where, whether it was ob- observation or not, but understanding that, you know, sincerity is not always a, uh, the number one point in a lot of objectives of men in in women's lives. Right. And then you get here, it's like, you know, she's like, love is just a game or so it seems in many circles and she seems already jaded. You know, our Katrina character here already seems jaded by love, but she's like, at the same time, this is the thing that no matter how much how jaded I may feel or how much, how, how difficult it is to, you know, uh, Find authenticity and love. I still, you know, I still live by it. I still love love, no matter what, and whether it's in the form of lust or whether it's in the form of you know an actual romantic relationship. Because he doesn't make it clear here, but it's like it still makes her world. It still um, makes her feel. Um, so. I just thought it was so emotional because this 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 course is so emotionally compact in that way is that there's so many layers to what he's saying. But, you know, you could you could even go deeper than this. But I just thought that that was interesting. And it puts a, a context on a contextualization, excuse me, on the first half and then how she sees lovers and whether those paper dolls are actually representative of lovers instead of just, you know, we, we had a question of what those paper paper dolls represent and so it, right here it kind of uh, puts that in stone I feel
0: mm-hmm. no great observation i'm I'm totally with you on that the um the first two lines there's no way to tell her who's real and who's not yeah. I think that's interesting because I think it could for me I think it could be interpreted two different ways mm-hmm. there's the the way that you can interpret it at implies maybe her grip on reality is is slipping
2: mm-hmm.
0: um you know she can't really tell who's real and who's not i mean you think about that just from the literal standpoints she may be like i said losing her ability to tell you know what's what's real and what's within her imagination like when she's making these paper dolls as are these paper dolls real are they you know in her mind are they turning into real people mm-hmm. um and any kind of question you know the the sanity of the person who's who's making these paper dolls day after day after day. But then you can also think of it, so who's real and who's not, like who's real? Like who's for real as opposed mm-hmm. to who's you know in who's there in person and who's not? Like who's a real person, who's a genuine person that they can rely on and who's not? But you know, going back to the or you know as it flashes forward through the course, mm-hmm.
2: um
0: love is just a game. So if people are playing games with her, maybe her man's, she's thinking her man's playing games with her. Maybe there's other suitors right. that are trying to hone in knowing that she's alone. And yes, she's trying to hold off for the person that she's in love with. But, you know, are these people that are coming around asking her how she's doing? Are they for real? Are, right. do, they really, do they really care about her or are they just trying to get with her because she's hot? Mm-hmm. You know, which Which is basically said right there in the next couple of lines Mm -hmm. so much harder when your body's hot so maybe she's getting a lot a lot more attention than she wants because she's a beautiful woman Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: it's harder for her to to resist the temptations that are being presented to her as a lonely woman trying to hold out for the person that she loves who's absent
1: Mm-hmm. and the attention that she's receiving is like um i guess in this instance I, I think the attention is probably in the forefront like the idea of well who's real and who's not because your your in your exterior looks amazing but she, in, in, you know internally she could be as we see like there's so much turmoil that she's going through of missing this this uh her old man and quote unquote, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is like her, her present, the lover that her, her true heart is probably going towards, you know, but all these other people seem as though they're passing time and feeding into her and pouring into her, even though the the old man above um, that has been gone for so long is not giving to her. So it's like, she's uh, the reality of her situation is, it seems as though she's kind of uh, how do I, how could I put this? Um, i tried to find a great way to word this, but it seems like her reality, again, is like jaded by the former interaction she had mm-hmm. or the interaction she's still having with the man that she's really dedicated towards, but it just seems as though she's, of course, she's going to seek attention elsewhere when it's not given. And so that idea of there's no way to tell her who's real and who's not, it's like, what is real because the the dude i I always say like the dude that she's been dealing with pet formerly is like he's been playing probably tons of mind games on her and so she doesn't have a strong grip on reality in terms of love you know
0: yeah 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 the the course i think is probably the deepest part of the song Mm -hmm. the the verses are pretty um they're basic bare bones narrative kind of here's what's happening here's what she's doing but the chorus is what really gives us a a bit more meat i think Mm -hmm. in terms of how to think of the song and and where the song is going and what prince is trying to say with it so yeah i like the chorus quite a bit Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um the second verse if we're ready to move on do you have anything Mm -hmm. else to talk about with the chorus
1: no i think i think when we were talking about the first verse and we were talking about um tallies and how uh how it kind of relates to like oh i'm counting the days right mm-hmm. it's like are these days reality now like how <laughs> many days is it as many days as that she's like you know four, for one doll for every day how many days though it's kind of like which days are just the feeling of loneliness and which days are the actual reality of loneliness
0: yeah yeah, yeah, we really don't have a sense for that at all. The mm-hmm. prince doesn't give that to us.
2: Katrina makes paper dolls. They all look the same. They play the same games. Katrina makes paper dolls. It's better than being lonely. And love will make it lonely. In the eyes of this day.
0: So the second verse, Katrina makes paper dolls. They all look the same. They play the same games. Katrina makes paper dolls. It's better than being lonely. And love will make you lonely. In the eyes of this dame. Hmm. So again, the paper dolls seem to be stand-ins for, for men. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the implication here is, you know, they're they're basically a metaphor for men.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they all look the same. They all play the same games. So she again, going back to your comment about her being a bit jaded that that that's certainly something somebody who's jaded by love would say Uh, all the guys are the same men are all the same they just Mm -hmm. want to play games they just want this they just want that and you know katrina when prince wrote the song of course he's writing it from the perspective of a woman we we have to assume that's what's happening here Mm -hmm. now is he saying that or she's saying that i don't know but (laughs) yeah I, i i kind of get the impression that this is what Katrina's thinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It doesn't say Katrina thinks they all look the same and they all play the same games. She, it just says they, all, they all look the same. They all play the same games. So okay. I get the sense that that is like what her perspective is on men at this time, mm-hmm. even though she's talking about dolls. So she's making the dolls and all the dolls look the same. But again, I, I feel, and, and you can tell me if you disagree, but I feel like that at this point, he's talking, she's talking about men,
1: <laughs> not, no, not, not, not actual dolls. <laughs> yeah. Her history with, you know, whether they're meaning, meaningless or meaningful. Well, in this case, I would say it's meaningless interactions since they're just blank paper dolls to assume.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good time
1: to pass, you know, until she can get to her old man. And I think... Yeah, I, I think you're on track there, because it, it, her interior, like, I just think that's her inner thoughts right there. You know, yeah. even though he's saying they, you know, right there, it's just like a transition into, okay, Katrina makes paper doll, paper dolls, and then we get into her brain as far as what she's thinking.
0: Yep, it's um, her inner monologue. Yep, exactly.
1: exactly. Yep, like a play. Better than
0: being lonely, right? Exactly. And so this is where it goes back to, I think, what we were talking about with, um potential suitors coming around or people that she's just filling the time with,
2: mm-hmm.
0: even though all of these men are, they don't, they don't stimulate her mentally, emotionally, but it's better than being lonely. And she's mm-hmm. kind of taken that approach that even though she sees them for what they are game players, not people that she can tell are for real or not,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's still better than being lonely.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And love will make you lonely in the eyes of this dame. So, again, I think that's because she's actually in love
2: uh-huh. with
0: somebody who's not there. That's why she's lonely. She's not lonely because I don't think uh, I don't think she's lonely because um, she needs somebody to to fill you know her time and her and in, in the vo- in the whatever void she feels in her life. Uh-huh. I think she's lonely because she's experienced real love. Right. And she doesn't have it anymore. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: now she's missing that and has grown lonely because of that. That's that's kind of what I get. I, I don't know. Do you get something different or something else?
1: No, I get the exact same sentiment from that. I think it's like, right, I think in Love of Make You Lonely, in the eyes of this day, that's when Prince brings you out of, like, Katrina's monologue, so to speak. And so mm-hmm. you're able to have that realization, well, you know, um, the The paper dolls are just, again, meaningless interactions in time, like, I guess, a way to make time pass to fill this void for the man that she truly wants or the man that she's experienced love with. And so it's just kind of um, everything, once you experience the top or the, you know, the apex of love, everything else is just, you know, I guess you could say, uh, kind of just it's it's like less than yeah you know know, it's like it's normal it's like it's nothing that it's and i don't want to say meaningless because they probably have some type of meaning but it's just like a a, i'm trying to find a great word for it but it's like yeah it's just normal it's like it is what it is so i guess katrina has experienced this apex of love and she feels as though it's better to feel this gaping hole or this, uh, or to wait out. I don't know if she's waiting out for whomever the the guy is, but to feel this this emptiness than to just pass time. So, or to, I mean, to make paper dolls rather than to to feel the loneliness. So, like again, I do think it's. I think it's kind of like half and half of her experiencing this high level of love, and maybe this is her only experience with love that makes it the apex. But it also could be just her passing time that the idea of passing time as well. So I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit of both.
0: Yeah, it definitely could be. Mm -hmm. I kind of think of it as, you know, somebody who is trying to watch their weight or watch what they eat. They'll Mm -hmm. they'll buy substitutes for things that are maybe less good for you, like sugar substitutes or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like low fat, this low fat, that no fat, this. And so you eat it and you're like, okay, you know, it, it kind of gives me the same experience, but what it really does is it makes makes you miss the version that you're not supposed to have, or you can't yeah. have, or you shouldn't have. And like,
1: taste good. <laughs> yeah.
0: So she's had real love. Yeah. As we have to assume based off of how the lyrics are presented to us,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and now she's substituting real love with these paper doll men that mm-hmm. all look the same and all play the same games, and. What it what that really does is just make her miss the real love even more, and that's okay. I, I think it, it's reiterating the point you were making, and just um, you know, just like how I'm thinking of it, but it's ultimately we're we're saying the same thing. Same, we think yeah. Ultimately, the same concept is being presented to us here by Prince, okay. and I I think it's funny because a song written by Prince about his potentially about his girlfriend missing him. Mm -hmm. of course prince is gonna paint his his love as being the ultimate like she misses me so much (laughs) and i'm i'm the best but you know and all these other guys that she might be seeing uh, behind my back because they don't
1: compare to me Nothing exactly (laughs) like
0: he's definitely painting his love and and, and who he is as being somebody and something that is worth missing and something Mm -hmm. that uh, she definitely can't get anywhere else <laughs> yeah. yeah but that's that's the you know the benefit of being the storytellers you get to tell the story however you want
2: so
0: yeah <laughs> if vanity wants to write a different story a uh, different story about their relationship she's certainly welcome to do so and she probably did in some of her solo stuff i don't i haven't poured over her solo material quite as in depth as i have done prince's music but
1: With Vanity, I always look at Samuel like as a rebuttal from. I think it's Wild Animal. You know, it's like Samuel, this is your lover calling. That song. Oh Um, yeah. yeah. I always, I don't know. I feel like because she refers to paper dolls in that song, so it's probably one of my favorite Vanity solo works. But um, it's just like I think she sings like if you if you sing to me, will you ring my doorbell? And I, I always thought that was a direct call to end the loneliness and probably like, you know, there's talks of promiscuity in here. So like, I always felt like, okay, well, that means like, if my old man comes around, you know, this will end my loneliness. And then it's a a whole, I know like ring my bell is a whole reference to Anita Ward's like, you know, you can ring my bell. Like that has a a, a sexual undertone to it. So I always thought that there was, you know, some type of I don't know if she heard this song or, you know, them being so spiritually connected that they kind of were able to create some similar body of, of work in you know in that way. But I always thought that was like a rebuttal. I don't know. It just seemed like she was singing I, to Prince in that as well.
0: The evidence seems pretty strong to me, India. I mm-hmm. think uh I think it would be very I'd be very surprised if she had not heard the song. Yeah. And was a little bit like really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, okay, you think you think that you're all that and that I'm this way when you're not around. And again, like you said, like they had a very volatile relationship. I think that's exactly. well documented. Yeah. They were hot and cold. There's no I don't think anybody has any um ideas that they were always uh, monogamous with each other while they were together. Right. Mm-hmm. So if she heard this song, she's like, okay, well that's what you think but here's the here's what i think and you know wild animal only came out i think a year later like in 84 yeah. so yeah and knowing that th- it's interesting if she did write that song as a rebuttal to a oh. song that was never released because the only person who really is going to hear it and glean that level of uh specificity and personal Touch to it would be Prince.
1: Exactly, and that's why I was like, I think it was a subtle yet, if you know, you know, type situation. You know,
0: you know, exactly. <laughs>
1: and,
0: and there's, I can't. There's no scenario where I don't imagine Prince listened to Vanity's solo music.
1: Yeah, no, he, he definitely had to. And I'm like, she was around pretty much for again the Triple Threat tour, so that. For, her to, for him to make a song about her and for her not to hear it's kind of like, that, that would be mind-blowing. But I'm, I'm pretty sure he had to know something, you know? Mm.
0: Yep. So the, the chorus is repeated and it's identical to what we've already talked about. So there's really nothing more to say there. And then he does another repeat of basically the second verse where he says Katrina makes paper dolls. It's better than being lonely. Love will make you lonely in the eyes of this dame. They're all just paper dolls. He kind of just starts to um, scat a little bit and ad-lib towards the end of the song. Oh,
2: the
0: only like newish line is towards the end during the outro it says love will make you horny (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't know if there's anything deep about that line other than just prince being prince but unless you have something
1: no i just think that's a confirmation of what like you know the the idea of what the paper dolls are like they're definitely men so it just seems it. We all we already talked about how paper dolls are probably a representation of her sexual history with you know meaningless encounters. So I just think that was probably like the most, maybe a confirmation, if anything, about mm-hmm. what those paper dolls are, mean or are. And uh, yeah, that's kind of all I had for that. There is nothing really special <laughs> like to no, to add to <laughs> agreed,
0: <that>. agreed. <clears throat> I think we um. We definitely dug deeper into this song than I'd ever dug into this song before. (laughs) I mean, when it's on the Purple Rain Deluxe Edition, all the vault tracks on Mm -hmm. that uh, release, there's so many really important, and I'm not using air quotes, important songs, because Mm -hmm. it's hard to say that these songs were important when they were unreleased, but Electric Intercourse, important. Dance Electric, important. uh, We Can Fuck, important.
2: Yeah.
0: um, Our Destiny, Roadhouse Garden, like these are all well-known vault songs right. before they were released mm-hmm. in 2017. I mean, Katrina's Paper Dolls was known. I mean, it was selected as for inclusion on that Crystal Ball Two um, would have been released based off of the uh, voting at the first Prince celebration in 2000. But
2: yes, yes. of
0: course, as we know, Crystal Ball Two never never came to fruition. So mm-hmm. this song never saw the light of day during um, Prince's lifetime. Mm-hmm. But I think this song doesn't get the same – the song isn't put on a pedestal in the way that some of those other songs that I cited are, I don't think, mm-hmm. personally. But um, I, but I, I, think think that, some, I think there's some – I think there's some depth here, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do think it's interesting that, you know, whether it was the – I mean, it was the estate decision to, like, circle back to this after – the like years years after the voting initial voting for it to be included on crystal ball but that honestly could have been the definitive you know decision to include it on purple rain direct deluxes because it was voted once before so i don't know maybe that is what had to do with it but you know it's kind of here you know it seems pretty much of a um a straightforward song but there is so much to unpack like we said within the lyrics i think there's you know, there's much to read into. You have to be careful because you can read into this, but you could also kind of take it as is. And so um, mm-hmm. I always wanted to be cautious because sometimes I have the tendency to overanalyze and I'll be like, hmm, what is this subtle message? You know, so maybe there was some depth here and some maybe there, you know, he could have basically just used her. He was like, she was probably the first person on her, his mind. And so he used her middle name, as you know, a story, as a character um, in his story that he wanted to tell. This could very well be some about somebody else, but Absolutely. you know, we never know. But I don't know. There's so many similar, similarities, and then there's a, the rebuttal. I feel my personal opinion is that there's a rebuttal with Samuel, but you know, it's all up to interpretation for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and thank you for uh, for mentioning that. This is the opinion of two people. (laughs) Uh, You're absolutely right. He could have just pulled Katrina out of thin air knowing that it was, you know, his girlfriend's middle name. Mm
2: -hmm. But it might have
0: nothing to do with vanity. Just could be a song. Maybe he was thinking like this would be a subplot in the film about a a woman like, you know, like Jill Jones's character is somebody who pines over the kid
2: throughout Mm -hmm. the film.
0: They, They never date. She just has a crush on him. Mm -hmm. And it's unrequited. And so maybe this is kind of an example of this person's psychosis of being, you know, jilted, rejected, not being, you know, being ignored, not being taken seriously as a potential mate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or it could have been just like, okay, well, the next Vanity Six album, I want to get that out here around the same time as I release Purple Rain. So let me start working on songs to be sung by a woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. But. You're right. This is two people's interpretation. We, we seem to be on the same page. Uh, <laughs> so whether or not that means anything, I don't know. But it, right. it doesn't mean that this is a definitive, this is what the song means, period. Right. We don't really know.
1: I also think it's important that we like I, I was doing research um, prior to this episode. And um, one of my favorite blog, you know, prince vlogs um dmsr zach he had yep shout out to
0: zach hoskins
1: right so um he had wrote you know this is like prince's projection (laughs) at at its greatest level and i'm like you know i do see it i mean like prince could have definitely taken this on his own life as on in a female character in a female form and um even like i know Prince always mentioned that he saw a lot of like him, he saw a lot of himself in vanity and they were kind of like reflections of one another. So that also takes on like a different layer. It's like, well, was Prince talking about himself, but just in the eyes or the point of view or perspective um, of vanity or through vanity, like there's also that layer. It's just, it's so interesting. Like this is a simple, like you said, this is a simpler song, you know, out of all of the, previous Purple Rain Deluxe songs you you mentioned, it does have a bit more bones than meat. But I feel as though that you could take it and run with it. And there's so many, like I said, there's so many layers to peel back. And just as you keep digging, there's a little bit more meat there. There's a little bit more, you know, it's not always black and white. So I thought that was just interesting to bring up, you know, whether that has any significance or not, you know, we can see
0: but <laughs> yep yep agreed okay. okay well i think that we have done a wonderful job breaking the song down india so i think mm-hmm. we, i this would be a good time to kind of conclude the episode unless mm-hmm. you have any final thoughts no think I we covered th- it all
1: yeah i think we covered it all that was pretty we probably covered more than we needed to
0: <laughs> <laughs> all and then some yes Excellent. okay so then going back to to you do you mind sharing uh, again your social media links or anything that you want to share with the listener where they could find you and maybe find what you're doing?
1: Of course. Um, I am uh, on Twitter. I am at Planet India M on Twitter. Um, on Instagram, I am at India Soulful Haze. And I also have a um, my blog page, which you can follow. That is um, I Am Funk Music on um Instagram. I'm working on getting a Twitter for that, but <laughs> that is to be announced. Um, and I'm also on Medium. I am uh, um, at I am Funk Music on Medium, and then also my podcast is Record Scratch, so you can follow us on um Twitter over there. And we have Prince segments too, in which we release a tribute uh, to Prince. Um, on the seventh anniversary of his passing but we have more segments to come we've actually been recording so they will be out soon and hopefully by June we'll get some things to you guys but yeah that's pretty much it for my social media and um pages and just look out I always actively write prints related articles or post prints related content um on all of my platforms including record scratch which is a shared platform between me and and my friend glenn my journalist friend glenn so yeah just be on the lookout
0: (laughs) will do i will make sure to uh, include links to those in the show notes for people who are looking to find you and Mm -hmm. i want to thank you very much india for joining me on this episode it's been a pleasure having you on and um yeah hopefully you enjoyed your time
1: I did. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was such a pleasure to talk with you. I'm actually a huge fan of this podcast as well. So I love oh. having a space where we can break down li- Prince lyrics. That's just amazing. So thank yeah, you so we, much we, for inviting
0: me. We geek out here, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel at it's home. A safe i space a space to geek out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, well, thank you again. And uh, this has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the show at Presserwine.net. Uh, I also am on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube links will be in the show notes. If you aren't already following the show there and until next time, thank you very much and goodbye.